Hi. Hey. In this episode, we're doing something a little bit different. That's right. So when we put out our pilot episode, we had quite a few people getting in touch who were really excited about the podcast and suggested collaborating, which we thought was a great idea. This week, we're featuring the work of an amazing writer. I am Marcello. I write on We Are The City and for the Huffington Post. I say write about dating, but dating, relationships, I write about work. I work in the corporate world. I work in HR in the corporate world. And I write about the, the things that happen to me. So some of the things, most of the things are real. Um, there is a, a, a fictionalised veil drawn over the the proceedings, but it is all based on stuff that's, that's actually happened to, to me. As soon as I got in from work, I threw my man bag down on the kitchen table. Lucas, I said, I'm a funny guy, right? He looked up from his iPad. He said, is this like in Do I Amuse You Like a Clown? You've been acting a bit mental recently, but I suppose this all could be part of the breakdown. A benign question, followed by psychotic rage. Oh, please. Seriously, I am funny, right? Well, not right now, you're not. But you can be sort of amusing. Thank you. I knew it. The endorsement was all I needed. I'd been thinking about my latest online match. Specifically, how to change up my opening game. Lately, I'd been terribly serious in my online discourse. This came to me at work during a series of sunless meetings. This dour dude is not me, I thought. While sitting in my third meeting with the company Boffins, with their blackberries and haircuts, I remembered what I enjoyed about dating, the laughs. I may not be especially humorous in person, but I do like to have a laugh. My dates should be aware of this. And likewise, I would expect any future Mrs. Marcello to hold a similar view. In light of this, I started using a new tactic. While trawling dating profiles, I began remarking on comical aspects of the pictures. I picked out an unusual point, no matter how slight, and unloaded a tsunami of mirth. Always start with a joke, I thought. Surely I'll be covered in glory. In Bryony's case, it was related to one of the obligatory adventure holiday shots. She was in a lineup against what appeared to be some kind of volcanic landscape. All of the figures were obscured by poor lighting and layers of winter clothing. But it did contain a certain zesty spirit. I liked it. In the background lurked a hairy man. My message read. Hey, Bryony. The profile's OK. I noticed you captured the abominable snowman in one of your holiday snaps. Looks like the kind of thing they find amongst lost footage. I later shared that particular zinger with my colleague Jess. We were in Costa and I was showing her my dating profile. Good God, she said. How are you even getting dates? My looks. She touched my arm. Really? Are you sure? I pulled at my collar. No. 
Jess was staring at my iPad. Without looking up, she said, Only kidding. You're all right. Oh, thank you. You're very kind. I know. I leaned in just as Jess lifted her head and pulled back. Hold on, she said. You told her, quote, the profile's okay. Can't you just try and sound a bit more enthusiastic? What can I say? I'm coasting. In spite of my perceived ineptitude, Bryony responded, jamming to the same tune. We exchanged a couple more monster-related emails before arranging a date in a tourist pub on the Strand. I was prepping my stock travel anecdotes when she entered. So I started the chatter. Being a HR maverick, I am used to trivial small talk with new people, namely employees on notice. I like to think of this as my forte and always commence with an icebreaker. How did you get here? I asked. The tube. It was only two stops. Convenience? I think so. Not the most explosive of openers, but certainly acceptable. After our first drink, I raised the matter of the dark stranger in the photo and she laughed. Encouraged, I went on to explore every facet of this rather meagre joke. Still applying an interview-like approach, I engaged in more listening than talking. Active listening, they call it. A dynamic name for what is essentially just nodding along. Bryony ordered a couple more drinks and paid by card. The contactless facility wasn't working, so I pretended not to notice as she shielded the reader while tapping away. There appeared to be an elaborate, almost theatrical air to this move. Clearly this was her custom. Despite not being ruled out as an identity thief, we agreed to meet again. Outside, Bryony said goodbye, then paused. I knew the moment well. It was the snogging pause. The window during which all was permissible. My heart quickened. Steeling myself for the surge, I prepared to unleash the shock and awe of the goodnight kiss. This was, of course, a crucial moment. We stand or fall right now. This was to be a great turning point. Our very own siege of Vienna. kissed and I became aware of the commuters brushing past. Someone knocked my bag and I broke away. Wonderful, I said. Sorry? I shifted my bag from one shoulder to the other. I mean the night. It was great. Wonderful. Right. The kiss was nice too, of course. Okay. It's just, the, you know, there's loads of people here. I surveyed the concourse. Where are they all coming from at this time? I said. Listen, Bryony said, I've got to get my train. Yes, me too, I said, needlessly looking at my watch. As she left, I waved awkwardly, like an inept sailor mangling his semaphore. I caught the train with the after-work drunks, Men with loosened ties clutching their Burger King bags, 
scanning the standards and their smartphones simultaneously. Corporate women in ballet pumps, carrying kooky tote bags, killer queens, all of them. No doubt they manage their social media profiles with the same vigour they applied to their careers. As I slumped into a seat with my inferior Cornish pasty, I wondered about these people. Any day now, they would find me out and I would be expelled from the city. By the time I reached my stop, I'd check my phone four times for evidence of Bryony's affection. There was none. Opposite, a well-cut woman smiled into her iPhone. The gentle angles of her face held me tight. I started texting Jess. Maybe she'd smile too. My second date with Bryony was on a Sunday. Possibly the worst day for such ventures. Bryony wanted to go to Portobello Market. To do what? I don't know. Browse, presumably. A knot tightened in my stomach. I usually avoided such territory. I knew I would be expected to engage in horseplay and try on a variety of hats and coats in an amusing manner. I pictured myself wearing a trilby at a jaunty angle and cringed. It was sleeping with the enemy and I was the guy with the beard. Sunday came around and we met at the station at 11am. It was a true daytime date, or D-A-Y-T-E, date, as I said in a message to Jess. I'll give you that, she wrote, before going on to sympathise. Timing made the gig tougher. I operated more effectively in dimly lit bars, preferably in a gin-flushed haze. I was not versed in the browse and banter style required here. From the outset, I felt compelled to remark favourably on every market stall, regardless of its individual merit. Look, I said, pointing to a battered biscuit tin. That looks good, you think? Yes, very retro. Bryony picked it up and turned it over. Vintage, I said. We both looked at the tin. Realising I had nothing further to add, I picked up an old white ensign, the flag of the Royal Navy. I asked the trader, How much for this, mate? Let me see. That one's 35. I nodded sagely. Turning to Bryony, I said, I used to be in the Navy, you know. Yes, you said. She was still looking at the tin. Things were not going well. Time to try something radical. Looking around, I found the perfect prop. A tattered army jacket. As Bryony leafed through a rack of old maps, I hurriedly donned the coat. Look, I said, my arms outstretched. She turned, her fingers holding her place. What the hell? It's just a laugh, I said, walking over. The tight jacket had pulled my arms back, giving me a gorilla-like poise. What's wrong, Bry? Oni, Bryoni. She forced a smile. It's okay, it's just I'm pretty sensitive about that kind of thing. I don't find it funny, you know. Sorry? I looked down at the jacket 
and noticed the emblem on the sleeve. A jagged SS. A Nazi uniform. I mean, come on. God, I didn't realise. She raised her eyebrows. The trader came over and touched me on the arm. Come on, mate, this ain't a fancy dress party. As I peeled myself out of the coats, two Japanese girls took a picture. Great, I thought. I am to be immortalised on Instagram as a fascist sympathiser. I passed the jacket back to the vendor, who instinctively brushed it down. To think, he was worried I might sully a Nazi uniform. His small act of housekeeping had delivered a mortal insult. At least I was breaking new ground. One for the blog and all that. Did you ever get in touch with Bryony ever again? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. She uh, she ghosted on me. She ghosted on you? <laughs> no. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was funny, actually. She went on holiday, and as far as I know, she never returned from this holiday. No, I'm worried. She went on holiday, and uh, it's, she's been on this holiday for about three years now. Maybe this hairy yeah. man. <laughs> got her. Finally yeah. got her. <laughs> Shit. (laughs) Thanks to Marcello for sharing his story with us. If you like what you heard, you're in luck. Because that was actually a chapter from Marcello's new book. It's called Marcello, Love in the City, and it's now available on Amazon. Go and check it out. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. You can check out more stories on our website, swipe left, swipeleft.com. And follow us on Twitter. Our handle is swipe left left. Until next time, bye. Bye.